0: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match and I'm standing and pacing in my net. Mikazi now he's not a okay, kid. So Mikazi. so Mik- he's not a kid anymore. He's a boy. He's a man. He's a man. He got PWS superstar by him. And he was gone in two <laughs> So, uh, in go Bernalis. In nollies. In go nollies. And That's a big Look at that! There oh he's all going on! He's back! The man of a thousand holes! You're missing a B there, but that's... It. There's a B? This is what's what I'm trying to say. letters don't go together. Over! We got with another World Champion! Oh, oh, oh you're having a wank, are you? Yeah? And it's like, no! Merry, 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 meki, meki, meki! Pissi, pissi! Wrestling Podcast on planet Earth. I am internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, Joe Lanza. Welcome to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. No Rich again. Rich is back from his wedding. He has returned from South Carolina, but he got back about I don't know, about 36 hours ago from the time I'm recording this, and he's still taking care of some some things and catching up with wrestling and uh, settling into the married life, the poor guy. So he was not able to do this week's show, but I was not going to let you guys go without a show again, so here we are. I got plenty of content for you. We're going to talk about the big news as I'm recording this a few hours earlier. Tonight, Finn Balor lost the NXT title to Samoa Joe in Lowell, Massachusetts at a house show. Now, there were some subtle hints that this could happen if you were paying attention to the TV this past week, the NXT TV, but this did catch most people very much off guard, and we're going to talk about the potential directions from here for both Samoa Joe, but but more prominently Finn Balor because I think his path is a little more interesting and it can go in a bunch of in a more interesting directions than Joe's path for now. So we'll get into that. And what I'm going to do is break down Finn Balor's NXT title run on this show. And much like last week where I basically shattered popular internet narrative on uh, on Gato's New Japan booking and uh, slapped you guys upside the head with, with facts. I think I'm going to do the same for Finn Balor's NXT Championship run, which, for whatever reason, and actually, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, because I think I know the reasons, and we're going to talk about that, but for reasons that, uh, for the most part, I disagree with, His title run has sort of has this reputation of being uh, not a good title run, which I think is absolute nonsense. I thought he had a brilliant title run. Very good title run. Particularly bell to bell. Now, there's issues with Balor, and we're going to examine what he does well and what he hasn't done well. And the things that he hasn't done well, I think that's the reason people are sort of looking at his title run in a negative light. But I think... People are being way too hard on him. They're not seeing the forest through the trees here with this guy. And if you'd really, if you take a step back and look at his NXT title run, uh, it's impossible to come away um, uh, from it without thinking that it was very impressive in terms of uh, match output. I mean, unless you're some kind of weird contrarian who doesn't like good, exciting matches. I mean, I, I don't understand. And look. There's always gonna be people look, it's pro wrestling, okay, and it's subjective, and there's always gonna be people who simply don't enjoy certain wrestlers or it, it, that's always gonna happen, but for the most part, you know his run Bell to bell was excellent, but we're gonna get into all that later. first some uh a little bit of house cleaning. You may have noticed that you're not hearing a lot of ads on the show the last few weeks. I don't know if the ads are still running. At the beginning and the end of the show, that I'm not sure about. Uh, We're kind of going through some transitions. Look, I know you guys don't want to hear the ads. We try to make them, or at least I try to make them, as entertaining as possible when we do the ad reads. I try to make them at least part of the show. I don't want any part of this show to be boring. That's my worst nightmare. If you're bored, if you're tuned out, that's the worst possible thing that could happen. So even when we do the ad reads, I try to interject some life into them, some personality, Give them the flavor of the show. At any rate, we haven't been doing ad reads. Uh, we've got some stuff potentially coming down the pike, some exciting stuff. The, the, the ads might be coming back. You might be hearing some different kinds of ads. Um, some of you guys might be upset with what's coming. Some of you guys uh, might just accept it as a reality of, 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 of a business. Because this is business. I mean, we are attempting to run a business here. So... Um, the ads are gone for now. Enjoy it because there may be so – the ads may be coming back and they may be a little more intrusive than what you're used to on this show. But look, you know, look. if you want to keep doing this, unfortunately, that's going to be – look, we don't ask you guys. We've never asked the listeners for a penny and I've been very, very stubborn about that in, in business conversations that we've had uh, with the people who run and own the site – Uh, myself, Rich, uh, Rob McCarron owns a piece. And then uh, there's also a fourth silent owner. Um, And I I really believe strongly in not asking you guys for any money. We don't put our hand out. Uh, We've stayed away from anything subscription based. And we, we, you know, and we've looked and studied different models. We see what everybody else is doing out there. We pay attention. We study the other sites. We study the other podcasts. We see where people are attempting to generate money. We see what people are actually generating money um, and we see how they're doing it. And, 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 you know, we weigh all those options against each other and we've decided that we're just going to do, take the long, slow road of hard work and providing quality content, both on the website end and the audio end. And we feel like those things will take care of themselves. We could stick out our hand now and do some Patreon bullshit or whatever and I'm sure a lot of you guys would be more than willing to contribute to keep this thing running, to make sure that our contributors make a little bit of money. Um, and, and, and we're sure we could do that. We're positive we can make, but we don't want to do it that way. So we're going to keep plugging away and doing it the hard way and just keep putting in hard work and producing quality content the best that we can. And we feel like that stuff will take care of itself. And we do have some things cooking. So uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening every week to all of the – all of our shows do tremendous. This show, Shake Them Ropes, of course, um, and all of our other shows as well. The Brit Wrestling Roundtable, the uh, the, the uh, Lucha Underground podcast by, with uh, Chris Novembrino, the uh, Open the Voice Gate, Dragon Gate show. Uh, all of our shows have, have done and, and the, and the non wrestling content as well. Uh, John and Rich with their sports show and of course, lands Unfiltered, which we're going to get back to as soon as Rich gets back in the swing of things and I have time to start producing that content as well. So we've taken a few weeks off from that. but I thank everybody for listening to everything. Things are moving in the right direction. Uh, the, the, uh, the site itself, that keeps moving upward. everything's on an upward plane and that's because of you guys. So uh, we appreciate every listen. we appreciate every subscription. Every download, it all means something. So, uh, you know, we appreciate that. On the site right now, all of the reviews that you would expect, all of the television, we're basically doing everything these days with the exception of superstars. I gave up superstars about six months ago, and uh, we haven't found someone else to do it yet. We could be filling that vacancy soon. Uh, but we do have some new uh, progress reviews up on the site. Brian Rose has completed his Depths of Mania with this past year's WrestleMania. That's on the site. Lucha Underground TV from this week, NXT, which actually uh, is a dated show now at this point with the news tonight. All the latest podcasts are there, so check out the website. Listen to all the podcasts. Let's get into some wrestling. That's enough of this nonsense. Um, News and notes before we get into the Finn Balor stuff. There's a bunch of wrestlers moving around. There's a lot of moving parts going on. I did a little bit of research. Kamitachi, of course, who's been on excursion for basically forever from New Japan with CMLL and has been tearing it up, most notably with the tremendous feud. I think they're now up to 10 or 11 matches that have made tape against Dragon Lee. But he hasn't been booked in CMLL for, for basically upwards of a month. And no one really knew what was going on. Of course, uh, Raijin and Fujin, the former Tanaka and Komatsu, are in CMLL now on excursion from New Japan. And Kamatachi sort of, he lost his title and he disappeared and he hasn't been booked and no one knows what's going on. And then he picked up a random booking for Northeast Wrestling. Which is one of these, well, Northeastern independents, New York, New Jersey area independent promotions that book. You know, they run a couple shows a year. It's sort of in the same vein as as your House of Hardcore, your PWS, where they run super shows with a bunch of uh, um, 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 former national television talent and, and, and big-time indie names, and they draw very well. Well, Kamatachi just he popped up on this random Northeast Wrestling show uh, coming up, I believe, in May, I think is the date of the show. Let me look that up real quick. And people were like, what is he doing? How did they book this guy? It's actually May 7th. He's facing JT Dunn. May 7th on a Northeast wrestling show in New York. I mean, uh, how does that happen? Well, from what I understand, he's done with CMLL. And he has moved to the United States where he will now be completing his excursion, working indie dates through the fall. He's living in New Jersey. Supposedly, he's living with Sumi Sakai, who, if you recall, was housing uh, Takaake Watanabe for his year and a half or two years of excursion or whatever it was before he went back to Japan as evil. And he's going to be taking bookings out of New Jersey. So you could expect to see Kamatachi popping up, hopefully in your local indie because the guy's tremendous. But here's the bigger news. From what I understand... If, if, you know, if you notice what I slipped in there, he's slated to return to Japan in the fall, which would, you know, give him about a six-month stay or so doing U.S. Indies for now. But it would also, you know, that period of time covers best of the Super Juniors and the Super J-Cup, the speculation. And from some sources, this is a hard fact is that he will not be working either of those tours. Best of the Super Juniors or the Super J Cup, which, if that's true, that is a major disappointment. A huge disappointment, because I think everyone was hoping or even expecting that Kamatachi was going to be back in Japan at least for one of those tournaments, if not both of them. This has to be considered a letdown. I think everybody wanted to see him there, especially with... Will Ospreay in the mix, and Ricochet potentially, you know, Ricochet's telling people he's in Best of Super Juniors. So, and, you know, he's still mulling, we talked about that last week, and it was in the Observer this week, he's still mulling that offer from the WWE and the Lucha Underground offer. The Lucha Underground offer would uh, afford him the opportunity to continue working New Japan and working Indies. The WWE offer, obviously, would be exclusive, and, and the Observer reported this week that Willow Ospreay basically has a similar deal on the table with New Japan. They offered him a full-time deal, which would allow him to continue working. It would allow him to, to continue living in Europe, working the European indies, working the U.S. indies. But, to, but the New Japan tours would be priority. But in between, he can do what he wants. And I would think that WWE... Now, look. You would think that WWE would be interested in Willow Ospreay. Okay? And if they're not now, they're going to be shortly. I mean, the guy is breaking out big time. He had all kinds of eyeballs on him in Dallas. The breakout star in Dallas, without question. So, you know, it, 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 we'll see what happens with Ricochet and Osprey. My gut tells me, look, if I were Ricochet, I would take the WWE deal right now. The timing is right for that deal right now. Yes, he can make more money with the Lucha Underground deal. When he combines that with New Japan and the Indies. But that's short-term thinking. If I'm Ricochet, and I'm confident in my abilities, I take the WWE offer right now. Now is the time to strike. They passed on him once. You knew they'd come knocking again. You know, when they passed on him the first time, that was right before they had opened up their let's sign all of the best people in the world. That wasn't the mindset yet. He tried out right before that, that, that... era sort of kicked in. Now their mindset is let's sign all of the best people in the world. And now they've come knocking on his door again. If I'm ricochet, I don't turn them down. I go now because you see how quickly the landscape can change and the landscape will change again. They're not going to keep this mindset forever. No one knows how long this is going to last. Maybe they keep this up for a year. Maybe they just decide to gut every promotion in the world of their top talent, and then they're going to, but I, nobody knows. You know how this company switches gears on a whim? So if they want you now, and, and, and look, Ricochet is a guy, he's got nothing left to do elsewhere. He has nothing left to do elsewhere. He's a guy who's been banged up. He has toned down his style. He'll still do the crazy shit when, you know, he picks his spots, though. He picks his spots. You know, the Benadriller finish is clearly a finish designed to to help uh, preserve his body as opposed to doing 630 flippity flops and landing on his knees and, and banging up his back and taking big, bu- No, the, you, know, he, you know, the Benadriller, it, 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 it's, it's easy on his body. It's a fireman's carry. He tosses the guy up in the air, kicks him in the head. So you know you see the changes in his uh, in his working style, and he, there's really nothing left for him to accomplish uh, internationally or in the indie scene. The time is now for Ricochet. I, I think he should take the deal. If I'm Willow Spray, I don't know if I take the deal right now. I don't know. He's 22 years old, got plenty of time. He's gonna be there eventually. And I should I, and I should say I don't know that he even has a deal on the table. With WWE, We know he has a deal on the table in New Japan. I would sign that New Japan deal, continue to, to work in Europe, continue to work the US Indies where he's just really gotten started in the US with PWG and WWN Live and everything else. Continue to make a name for yourself. You're 22. You're 22. You may get a better offer two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. I don't think it'll take five years for this guy. But you might get a better offer. You know, you sign a two-year deal with New Japan, right? You keep working your progresses in your Rev Pros. You keep working WWN Live. You keep working uh, where obviously the right eyes are going to be on you. You keep going to PWG. You become the biggest pushed, you know, you become the pushed guy in all of these super indies. On both sides of the ocean, you continue to make a name for yourself in Japan. All of a sudden, when that two year deal with New Japan is up, you're a hotter commodity than you are right now. His, his fire is just starting to simmer. Ricochet's fire, you know, his fire was lit five years ago. The time is now for Ricochet. I don't know if the time is now for Willow Spray. So he should sign that New Japan deal. He should have signed it yesterday. Ricochet, I could see where he's wavering. But to me, the time is now for him. But back to Kamatachi, This is very disappointing because I think I think everyone wanted to see him in, in at least one of these two big tournaments coming up in Japan. This is going to be the summer of the cruiserweights. You got, of course, the global cruiserweight series, which I still think I still think Zack Sabre Jr. is winning that thing. I I, I know everyone's on the uh LaSambra train or Manny Andrade, whatever the hell his name is. And I get it. I understand they held him off TV, and it makes a lot of sense to introduce him in that tournament as the next big thing instead of burning his introduction. Look, I can understand that mindset. But, you know, just to create a star out of nowhere who no one's ever seen before and have him run through the tournament and win it, look, I'm, that's not the worst idea. And I certainly think that that can happen. But, and look, and I don't know anything. For certain, but if it, you know, the little clues that I've picked up, look, I know that they're, they're interested in Zack Sabre Jr. Look, Zach Sabre Jr. is not basing himself in the United States to fuck around on the NDC. Yeah, he's, he's WWE bound. It's just a matter of time. He's got friends there. He's got the right friends there. He knows they're interested. They know he, he's, he's, he's WWE bound. And I think that this tournament is a perfect introduction for him. I really think it comes down to one of those two guys, though. Lissandra or uh, or Manny Andrade, whatever his name is, and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. I really think it comes down to one of those two. Even if Kota Ibushi is involved, and he's another guy. I mean, you know, it's – from everything I've heard, and I have heard things with him, you know, he's he's looking to move to Florida and, and eventually end up with WWE. He does have the Anoki booking on May – the end of May. I think it's May 28th or something like that, so – you know, he's still doing his freelance thing here or there. You know, he worked his Kaiju Big Battle. He worked his WWN. You know, he, he worked at the big DDT show last month. He's going to work a Noki. You know, he's freelancing. He's having some fun, getting his body back into shape. But, you know, he's WWE bound. But even if he, you know, even if he's in, and, 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 you know, they wouldn't have name dropped him on the NXT TakeOver if, if, and, and and mentioned you know strongly hinted that he's going to be in that thing if he if they didn't have that plan so the the deal's probably done so you know it, it, I, but i would have one of the other two win it would it surprise me if koto abushi won it not at all but i i would think that the other two were the favorites And then you got Best of the Super Juniors, of course, which um, is a yearly thing. And then the J Cup is going to be tremendous with New Japan having, you know, upwards of eight or nine promotions involved. It's going to be a lot of fun, too. Interesting that Dragon Gate is going to have representatives in both the Super J Cup and the Global Cruiser Series. Akira Tozawa already announced. And again, look, I wouldn't be shocked. Look, Dave already looked at him, WWE's already taken a hard look at him. I think Dragon Gate knows that that's his ultimate goal. He has friends in WWE. Uh, Yuhan Nation, obviously, and, and and Ricochet and Sasha Banks and everything else. He's got friends there already. He's got people he can live with. He was very popular on his U.S. excursion, I guess, around 2009 when he was based in Texas and worked PWG and Actually, the PWG shot this year. He's very popular with all the American wrestlers. And I think it's, it's. I mean, you know, I, he's, I think he's even flat out said it, but I think it's his goal to eventually make it in WWE. I think uh, that's where he'll eventually end up as well. And I think he'll be a perfect fit. I really do. He'll be a perfect fit for that company. So he'll get a small taste with the Global Cruiserweight Series. And Dragon Gate will have reps in the Super J Cup. Maybe some younger guys. I don't know. It really doesn't make sense for Dragon Gate to send, like, I don't know, Jimmy Saito to the – you know, he's 34 years old or whatever. No, you want to send some of your younger guys, especially since they don't figure to win. They're there to do jobs in the first round. You know, you figure a New Japan guy is going to win or or, or a huge star from somewhere else is getting a big put. You know, it's – you know, so these smaller promotions – or these, I shouldn't say smaller, but these other promotions, and these smaller promotions that are sending guys, you know, you send young guys who you think have a chance to make an impression in the one or two matches that they're going to get. You know, you don't send Masaki Mochizuki if you're Dragon Gate. I mean, at least I don't. That's not what I would do. Unless New Japan wants to load it up with stars. We'll see. So, Kamatachi, that's where this all started. He'll be doing some indie shots. And if Ring of Honor doesn't use him, they are insane. I mean, he's going to be right there in New Jersey, right around a lot of the places they... I mean, they have the New Japan connection. They've got to use this guy. I mean, he's great. He's great. He's arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world. So we'll see what happens with that. I already suggested... Um, to some of the New Jersey promotions that they gotta book this guy, cause you know, and I, I you know, a, a lot of these guy a lot of these promoters, you'd be surprised they're not tuned in to what's going on in the world of wrestling. Let me just put it to you that way, okay? There's some, there's some prominent promoters who don't even know who this guy is, and he's right in their back. And it amazes me how do you not book? The, you gotta book this guy. I'm like, look, I, you know, I, I you know. <laughs> I'm afraid to say too much, but it's like I you know, I I try to tell people like, look, tell so-and-so, you know, I heard this guy's based in New Jersey, you gotta look into getting him, you know, booking this guy. How can you not? So that's what's going on with Komitachi. That's what's going on with Willow Spray. He's sitting on this New Japan deal. I think he should sign it. One guy who for certain the observer reports I don't know if uh, Ring of Honor is going to book Kamatachi, but I know they're going to book Jay White. Jay White heading on his excursion later this year. Great news. And he's going to be based in Ring of Honor, which is even better news. I think, anyway. I mean, they did nothing with Watanabe. Watanabe's excursion situation was just sad, especially when it came to Ring of Honor. It seemed like the only reason they would book that guy is when New Japan was in town and they were like, ah, well, we better book him since his parent company's coming in. And then they would ignore him in between. The guy would have to scramble for bookings. He'd have to come to Texas or go to Toronto or whatever the fuck just to get booked when he should have been working every Ring of Honor show. It was amazing to me. But Jay White's coming in and supposedly he's going to be you know, according to the Observer he'll be based in Ring of Honor which is a great fit for him. Jay White is already a tremendous wrestler and I think he's going to be a star. Lucha Underground has signed Johnny Goodtime also in the Observer this week. You may know him from the Southern California scene Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Look, I've never been a fan. The guy does nothing for me. But, you know, it's, it's, it's probably... I don't know, no idea what kind of character he's going to portray in Lucha Underground. If I did, I, God, I probably wouldn't say anything. I don't want those lunatics coming after me. One thing we learned this week. I think the Lucha Underground hardcore superfans are crazier than the TNA uh, lunatic fringe. They are a whole different kind of insane these lucha underground fans they're irrational they're 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 weird they're black concert shirt wearing neck beard having long haired um irrational weird hashtag doing they have like their own little weird hashtags that they do with each other lucha lunatics or whatever they call themselves. I, I don't know. It was just this weird culture. Such a weird culture. And they're nasty and rude and they're detached from reality and you can't have a discussion with them because they go right into personal, weird, like, weird personal attacks and, you know, like, shitty, like, homophobic jokes. Like, they're just, uh, they're just awful. Bunch of fucking weirdos. And they're just they're drinking that Lucha Underground Kool-Aid, man. The, the Lucha Underground, it's not wrestling, it's a TV show Kool-Aid. Man, the last I checked, you've got a ring. You've got a referee. You've got title belts. You've got matches. You've got uh, heel authority figures. You've got commentators. You've got backstage vignettes. I got news for you. It's a fucking wrestling show. Enough with this already. It's not The Walking Dead. It's not The Sopranos. Okay? It's, it's TNA Impact. It is TNA Impact more than it is any of those other things. In fact, there is no discernible difference between Lucha Underground and TNA Impact... Other than fancier cutscenes. And lots of earth tones. And spooky music. Those are the only differences between the two shows. Otherwise, the structures and what they are, are exactly the same. And just because you like Lucha Underground and it's good... Which is and, and TNA stinks, which by the way are subjective opinions. Doesn't mean you that that Lucha Underground. You have to call it something. It's not. It's just a wrestling show. Don't run from that's what it is. Can we stop? I, I you know I was catching up with Lucha Underground. I had about six of them on the DVR, and I was watching an episode. It opened up with a long babyface in-ring promo, which was interrupted when the heel's music hit and the heel came down to interrupt the promo and then cut a a promo himself. That's like the start of every Raw since 2003. How is this any different than, than any of these other wrestling shows? I mean, these people are delusional. It's, it's, you look at this show and impact wrestling and impact wrestling has bright primary colors and, and, um, you know, traditional, you know, backstage wrestling, uh, um, you know, tropes and whatnot. And Lucha Underground is gritty and has uh, earth tones and has spooky music, but what they're doing is exactly the same. The matches are all set up by backstage skits. Or vignettes, or whatever you want to call them, just like Raw has been doing for years. Then when they come back from commercial, they have a match, and then rinse, repeat. Then they do another backstage uh, vignette and have it. It's a fucking. It's a. It's Lucha Underground is is the exact template of what wrestling shows have been for a decade. It's no different. And cheeseball special effects and spooky music do not change that. I don't care what kind of cheesy colored orb that Katrina or whoever the fuck holds in their hand. It, it's, you know, it's just a goofier wrestling show, that's all. It's no different than Paul Bearer and his magical urn for The Undertaker. It's the same shit. And one of these Lucha Underground dopes is trying to tell me, oh, well, uh, if it's not a TV show, then why does it have all positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb? So I looked it up. I went to IMDb, and he was right. Lucha Underground had all positive reviews on IMDb. All five of the reviews that it had were positive, and all five were very clearly written by wrestling fans. So I went over to Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes splits their reviews. Into fan reviews. And critic reviews. And he was absolutely right. All of the, the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes were positive. I think it's like 94% fresh. Which is the Rotten Tomatoes gimmick. But Again. All fan reviews written by wrestling fans. Zero critic reviews. Critics don't even review Lucha Underground. Professional television critics do not review Lucha Underground. Do you want to know why? Because it's a fucking wrestling show. That's why. Because it's not a television show. Professional television critics cannot be bothered with Lucha Underground, just as they cannot be bothered with TNA Impact Wrestling. Because professional television critics do not review wrestling shows. Which is what Lucha Underground is. I hate to break it to you. If Lucha Underground was a television show, it would be universally panned by every critic in America. Acting is horrendous. The acting is a, is, is if, it, if you judged it by television show standards, the acting on Lucha Underground is the worst acting on television. And it's not even close. The production values by wrestling standards are excellent. By television standards? They're horrendous. It's cheeseball bullshit. It's 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 like uh, it, it it's it's more it's closer to something like I know this is a dated reference, but the production values of that show are closer to something like Xena Warrior Princess, or the old um, you know uh, the old syndicated like Conan show like shit like that. It's garbage. It's garbage, It's not good television. Never mind the fact that 40%, that you know 80 um, percent of the show is wrestling matches. You know, and the 20 percent that is the backstage stuff, or the vignettes, whatever you want to call them, is garbage by television stand. Absolute garbage. Trash the storylines again by wrestling standards they're fine because they're they're wrestling story and i listen lucha underground is very well booked very well booked it's a better booked promotion than wwe or tna or ring of honor and i'm close tremendous tremendously booked promotion but by t- real television standards the storylines are awful and would be picked apart by any professional television critic. And in fact, I wasn't going to say anything. But I'm going to let you guys in on something. To prove my point, because I hate these, these Lucha Underground fanatics. I can't stand them. They, they, they got on my shit list very quickly this week on Twitter. These people are nuts. And they're very unlikable. It's almost like the TNA lunatic fringe. They're nuts, but it's like you feel bad. You don't hate them because they're just, they're, you know, they are what they are. These people are hateable. They're rude. They're abrasive. They're detached from reality. So here here's, here's my little plan. I'm looking into, I'm trying to, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off. I reached out. I talked to some people. I'm trying to get a hold of at least one professional television critic to take a critical look at Lucha Underground Season 2 from a television critic standpoint judged by the same criteria that they review all other television shows. And I I, I will... And I will prove my point that if Lucha Underground were a television show, it'd be a fucking terrible television show. So we'll see if I can make that happen. I've talked to a couple people. We'll see. It's, it, it, it's going to require a lot of – they're going to have to put a lot of time into it. They're going to have to watch a lot of Lucha Underground, and they're not going to get paid for it or compensated. So that's the rub. I'm, I'm working on it, though. I think that'd be a great idea, and if I can get this television critic to review Lucha Underground, I will bring them on the show, and they will they will review Lucha Underground on this show, a professional television critic, at least one. I, I want to get a couple. I, I don't want to be accused of uh, you know stacking the deck or you know yeah uh, yeah you know, I, you know, I will get a, if we get a couple different opinions that would be great because I'll tell you what. You can't find professional reviews of this show because no one reviews it because it's a fucking wrestling show. But these people have annoyed me and they've incited my anger. So now I'm going to try to stick it to them. I'm going to try the best I can anyway and get some reviewers to take a look at this show. So that's the Lucha Underground nut jobs. There, I mean, I, we need a name for them. I've seen Lucha Underground loons tossed around. I don't know how I feel about that one. But we'll come up with a name for these goofballs. And uh, and you know it did very. Uh, yeah, and it's a shame because there's a lot of good Lucha Underground fans too. Because it, look, it's not for me and it's not for everyone. But I I totally see why people like it. I really do. I don't like bashing it, but their fans are they're so unlikable. What an unlikable group. Who knew Johnny Goodtime could uh, spiral me off into that sort of rant. The TNA tapings kicked off today. Three new names, SoCalVal, Caleb Conley. Let's talk about them first, and then we'll get to the third one. You know, we all saw Evolve. I don't know if I talked about this last week, but Evolve is sort of uh, really sinking their teeth into this WWE arrangement that they have, and uh, it's sort of going to be – the roster is going to be streamlined with people who have WWE upward mobility potential which means you could be seeing some trimming of the fat of the roster. I guess that's not fair to say. But just the trimming of the roster of people who WWE wouldn't typically be interested in. There's a lot of concern that Chris Hero may not be booked uh, moving forward just based on the fact that you know he had his shot with WWE and obviously he isn't in the sort of aesthetic shape that they typically go for, although I think those standards have changed since he was there. and I'm not sure that's the reason he he didn't make it anyway, but I'm not getting into all that again. Uh, but the point here is, uh, which has led to some speculation that maybe SoCal Val and Caleb Conley aren't people who WWE is necessarily interested in, and they were uh, you know, were going elsewhere for bookings. I don't know if that's the case. This all happened a few hours ago, and I haven't really talked to anybody about it. But I can tell you this, SoCal Val is tremendous as a ringside manager and Evolve. I mean, she is so good, especially live. And it's amazing to me that she was in TNA all of those years. For like eight years, she was with TNA. And they did literally nothing with her. I mean, maybe they didn't know that she had all of this. She's a tremendous heel. I mean, she's great. And, and you know, they never gave her a shot to do anything in eight years. Maybe they didn't know. I mean, it's amazing. She's really good. So she's headed back, and she's uh, headed back with Caleb Conley, of course, who she manages in Evolve. And um, maybe he's a guy who. Look, I could totally see WWE not being interested in him. I think he's a a much improved talent, especially from his days with the scene. But he's a little a bit on the smaller side. I know size isn't the barrier that it's always been, but uh, you know, he's you look. Look, it's like it's it's, it's it, he's kind of like a you know, if you've got Johnny Gargano, what do you need Caleb Conley for? You know, Gargano is a far superior version. But look, I don't know. I just just because they showed up at TNA today doesn't mean they're not working WWE. I mean, we'll, we'll know better when we do the show next week. But I just think that's something interesting to keep an eye on. And the other name was Allison Kay, who popped up in TNA. She's working as Sierra, and good for her. Not someone I've seen attached to, to WWE's wish list at all, so good for her. If she's getting some paydays from TNA and working the tapings this week for the TV that will air not on the next week, but the week after. So TNA, by the skin of their teeth again, getting tapings done at the 11th hour when they have almost nothing left in the can. Embarrassing, just absolutely embarrassing. It's an embarrassing company. And as broken by me on Twitter... Aerolux, the uh, the company that the uh, Ron and Don Harris work for, are the leaders, the clubhouse leaders, to be the potential new investors slash owners of TNA Wrestling. And it's funny because I broke that on Twitter and people thought I was joking. And I had to assure people that I was not joking. And then a couple hours later, Meltzer, who had basically been hinting around that it was a company that had people that were former TNA talents and people who were involved in TNA in some capacity, a company – he was beating around the bush is the bottom line. And then when we broke it on Twitter, a couple hours later, Dave then did a uh, news update with Brian Alvarez and and confirmed what I was swearing to everyone on Twitter – was rock-solid information from a very reliable source. In fact, that information came from the same TNA source that gave us the Dixie email and that um, uh, has given us information because they've been on the uh, TNA conference calls in the past with the talent. So it was rock-solid information. I was 100% certain the information was good, which is why I went with it on Twitter. So, and, and by the way, for all of the goofballs on Reddit who are still convinced that I'm just chasing clicks, you know, what an opportunity that would have been for some clicks. I could have easily turned that into a clickbait article on the site with the Harris brother thing, but I didn't do that because that's not what we do here. We're not a news site. We don't break news. Very rarely will we do a news article. I could have got a lot of clicks. By uh, turning by writing up a little cheesy fucking 400 word article on the site with the with the Harris brothers info, but I didn't do it. I put it out there on Twitter for everybody for for nothing. So you know, then Dave did the update and, and confirmed it. But I mean, who knows? You know, if we hadn't broken it on Twitter, who knows if Dave finally would have just came out with it and and done the update? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it, he, he would have that day. Maybe he would have put it in the newsletter this week. You thank old Joe Lanza for that one, for that information getting out. People don't thank me enough. I'm a nice guy. So that's TNA and the new talent that showed up at the taping. So let's talk about Finn Balor a little bit. I know I teased it at the beginning of the show. So he lost the title to Joe, Samoa Joe's new NXT champion. They did it at the house show Lowell. Which, a lot of interesting possibilities now. A lot of people think this means Finn Balor will be moving to the main roster imminently. Will he side with AJ Styles and the Bullet Club? Will he just, will he side with the Bullet Club and they all turn on AJ Styles. Um, there's a lot of moving parts here. The AJ Styles storyline with Anderson and Gallows to me is a very interesting storyline going on in the main roster right now. I think it's a lot of fun. I like that Styles is ambiguous. I like that Roman Reigns doesn't trust him. We've seen this sort of storyline before, and I think it's very interesting. And I think it's you know, it ties into the New Japan history a little bit. And I think it would be great if Balor came to the main roster. And along with Anderson and Gallows, either double-crossed A.J. Styles or just flat-out turned on him. Because it would match... It would be an interesting because it would match the New Japan storyline of when they turned on, uh, turned on Styles and uh, basically ejected him from the company. And as I speak, Kamitachi, I'm watching him on CMLL. I get a, I get a CMLL show that's about six weeks old. So... This might be one of his last matches here that I'm watching. It's a wacky six-man tag. Cavernario is involved. Negro Casas. This is good stuff. Super Parka is in this match. I think that's Super Parka. He's wearing the skeleton gimmick, and he doesn't have a mask. Yeah, so that's that's Super Parka. Mascara Dorada is in this match. This is a hell of a match right here. This is some deal. We've got Kamatachi, Negro Casas, and uh, Cavanario against Mascara Dorada, Super Parka, and some dude that I don't recognize, who's also wearing La Parka-style gear, but has a mask on. Interesting. This heel team is one hell of a team. You don't get a much better trios team than Kamatachi, Negro Casas, and Cavanario. Jeez. That's some team. What was I talking about? So, yeah, Finn Balor. Yeah, we don't know what they're going to do with the main roster. We don't even know if, if this means he's going to the main roster. There's some speculation that he'll win the title back from Joe, maybe before some of you guys even listen to this on another house show. And maybe they'll just do the quickie house show switches like, you know, they used to do back in the day. I, you know, or it's strange because the, the idea being, if you were going to put the title on Joe, why not just do it in Dallas? And look, I don't have a problem with a house show change because it tells the fans, look, you need to buy tickets to the house shows because anything can happen. And WWE, every couple of years, will do a house show change and we'll all get real excited and we'll be like, wow, the house shows are going to be part of canon. And, uh, you know, they're going to be important and you're going to have to go to these. And then, you know, then nothing happens at the house shows again for four years until they pull something like this. But with NXT, this is sort of a different animal because Vince doesn't have his hands on this. This is a Triple H thing. And, you know, maybe his mindset is going to be that the house shows matter a little more. At least the national house shows as opposed to the Little Florida deals where Nakamura is wasting his time completely. How annoying is that? I mean, let me tell you. I get it. He's got to get acclimated to the United States, find a place to live. I think he has children. I have no idea if they're here with him or not. I think he has two daughters or something like that. Um, You know, get a driver's license, all of those things. Although apparently he's driving to shows because he locked his keys in his car at a house show. And remember, he lived here before. He lived in L.A. and he knows English and functional enough to, to get around. So, it's not like, you know, it's his first time over here. I mean, can we shit get? Come on already with Nakamura. I mean, how long does it take to get acclimated? Get his ass in an apartment. He's not, you know, he's made a lot of money in New Japan. Buy a little car. And uh, at least get him on the bigger NXT shows. Why is he fucking around in Largo, Florida, wrestling the drifter? This is Nonsense. This is fucking nonsense. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. What are they doing? He should be on the main roster. Right now. Right now. Well, you know, he's got to learn the style. Uh, get the fuck. Did you see TakeOver? Did you see TakeOver? If you watched TakeOver and you think that he needs to acclimate himself to the WWE style any further, you don't know what you're watching. Okay, he gets it. Trust me, he gets it. He might have had the best WWE match this year. Shit, in a lot of people's opinions, he had the best match period this year. Okay, he'd have no problem. You stick him on Raw tomorrow. Okay, and if and, and if it's if if look, here's the thing: you could have him on TV, and then send them back to Florida during the week. To work your fucking Largo, Florida bullshit or your shit kicker Florida shows or your Winter Park bullshit, whatever you want to do. But you can still have him on TV. or, you can, or admit, I mean, why isn't he on the bigger NXT shows? I mean, what are they doing? And why is he wrestling Samoa Joe in front of 75 hillbillies in Florida? Why? Why? Are you not doing that match? It, it just, I, I don't know, It doesn't make any sense. He's showing up in these little shit towns in Florida cutting promos and wrestling the drifter. I mean, are you kidding me? WWE hasn't sold out Sumo Hall, I don't think, ever. Or at least not in a fucking decades. Okay? They sign this guy, and they immediately sell out Sumo Hall two nights. I don't know if the second night's completely sold out yet, but it's going to. And, and why do you think that is? It's because of him. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. Let's go get, you know, at least start running some fucking vignettes on the fucking TV and let's get this guy going. What are they doing? What are they doing with Nakamura? It's just, it's crazy. So we don't know what's going to happen with Bowler, but what I really want to focus on is... Bowler's NXT title run, because a lot of people feel like it was a disappointing run, and a flat out. There's a lot of people who feel it was a flat out bad title run for Finn Balor, and I couldn't disagree with that more. I think that's that's mental. I think that's flat out mental. But he clearly excelled at some things when he was champion, and he was bad at some things too. Let's start with the bad. Finn Balor has not improved his promos, and it's 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 not good. It's not good. I mean, he hasn't cut a single memorable promo his entire time in NXT. And it's not getting better. He's really bad with scripted promos. And, um, he's very dry in front of the camera. And it it is a problem. Um, Aside from the Joe storyline, which I thought was a great, a pretty great beginning-to-end storyline, first with them as a tag team, then winning the Dusty Classic, not rushing the turn, doing the turn at just the right time. Then they had a couple of matches. Joe doesn't win the title right away. He gives Balor a brutal beating in Dallas in a brutal match, which I thought was the best match of the night, even better than Zayn Nakamura, which I thought was great but I really love the Joe Baller match. And and Joe was shocked when Baller put him away and then Joe wins it on the house. I mean, this was a great storyline with Baller and Joe. But aside from that, you know, know, storyline-wise and character-wise, Baller has not done a good job. The other thing that has hurt his run to some extent, and some people have pointed this out and they're absolutely right, is a lot of times, even when positioned as the main event, Other matches have really been the true main event. And look no further than Dallas. Zayn Nakamura was the main event of that show. Regardless of when on last. Regardless of what went on last. TakeOver Brooklyn. You say TakeOver Brooklyn, you don't think of Balor's main event that went on last when you think about the TakeOver Brooklyn show. So again, even though he he goes on last on a lot of these shows... He's not necessarily the focus of the shows. Look at his title win on the 4th of July in Japan against Kevin Owens. Tremendous match. Best match on the show. That show was built around Brock Lesnar. So even though he delivers in the ring, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, because he absolutely delivers in the ring. He's sort of been overshadowed. A lot of his big moments have been overshadowed. By other matches, even when he's positioned in the main event. I mean, that latter match against Kevin Owens in Brooklyn was a gr- legitimately a great match. But that's not the match people talk about from that show. It's obviously Bailey and Sasha Banks, whose big feud ran concurrent with Finn Balor's title run getting started. So he has been overshadowed by some extent by your Baileys and your Brock Lesnar's and your, and your Shinsuke Nakamura's and your Sami Zayn's. And you're Sasha Banks. So those were the negatives of his run. He wasn't always the focus. He's terrible on promos. But the matches were great. I would make the argument that he's been the most consistent bell-to-bell wrestler in the company since he entered the main event mix in NXT. I would make that argument. This guy rolls out of bed and in a big spot on a big show, whether it's a takeover or the uh, Japan show, this guy rolls out of bed and has four-star matches. All of his stuff is right there in that range. Let's take a look back last year. He had the Neville match in February that I had at four and a quarter. This is before he won the title. Then he had the uh, Owens match, also in February, which was four. He had the Atomi match, WrestleMania weekend, that I thought was four. The title win, I went four and a quarter on that. You go right down the line. Then he had the match against uh, Owens in August. That's the TakeOver Brooklyn, the latter match. I went four and a half on that. That was right on the cusp of being match at a year level. Then he had the Joe match in December. That was a four-star match. That's last year. Before he won the title, the match where he won the title, and then his first few defenses afterwards. And then you look this year at the great match he just had in Dallas. Against Joe. And the match tonight in Lowell. Our own Joe Gagne was there. And he says, according to his eyewitness report of that match. In fact, I'll read you his words. Four and a quarter, maybe four and a half. They played off a lot of the takeover match, but without the stoppages for blood. The best match the two have had, and I hope everyone gets to see the whole thing. So, Ballard delivered again in the match where he lost the title. How can you call this guy a disappointment bell to bell? You can't unless you're just totally opposed to his ring work for whatever reason, the guy, every single time in a big spot, delivers a four-star match or better. Every single time. And let me tell you something. He's one of the hardest working guys on the house shows. If you read the house show reports, and a lot of people don't, If you, I'm not making this up, go read the house show reports. Go read the house show reports of his matches against Sheamus. Go read the house show reports of his matches against uh, Tyler Breeze. In fact, I saw one for myself in Houston. They had a four-star match in Houston. Four-star range. Worked his ass off. Hardest working person on the show was Finn Balor. There was a tremendous Bailey versus Emma match on that show as well. But the main event was tremendous and and Balor worked his ass off. I would be willing to bet. That all told, from the 4th of July when he won the title until today when he lost it, he had more four star matches than anybody in the company. Because he was going out there on house shows, besides the fact that his big televised matches, which were all four or better, he goes out there on house shows and kills it. Now, I will say this on the other side of that. While he's having all these four, four-and-a-quarter star matches, what you're not hearing is four-and-a-half, four-and-three-quarter match of the year. He doesn't have that one definitive, surefire, universal, that was one of the best matches of the year. He doesn't have that one defining, great match. What he has is a bunch of very, very good matches that are on the cusp of being great matches. Match at a year level, great matches. So there is that. That definitely has been a hindrance too. Because you don't have, like if you ask people, even people who have enjoyed his title run like me, what was the best match of his title run, you might get like six different answers. You know, someone might say, oh, the Dallas match. Someone might say, oh, the ladder match. Or, you know, oh, uh, you know, a live match I saw against Sheamus. You're going to get a bunch of different answers. He doesn't have that one definitive match, and I think that's hurt him a little bit in terms of his, the reputation of his title run. But I mean, geez, it's like, you know, it wasn't too long ago that fucking, um, you know, Bo Dallas held this title. You want to go back to that? That was terrible. It wasn't. Happening. Look, and look, I look, I look. I am match quality focused. Everybody knows that. But the Bo Dallas thing. I mean, look. When everyone was going nuts for when Bo Dallas first started doing that inspirational deal, that delusional heel nonsense, I was the first one to say that that was not going to have a long shelf life. And people, you know. That got tiresome before he even left NXT. By the time he got to the main roster, you know, that was a tired act. Then he had a little winning streak, people got tired of it real quick, and now he's just a job guy, because that act, if you listen, listen, I told everyone that that act had no chance, and I took a lot of heat for that, because people liked it at first, but I, I told you that it had no shot. But I mean, you want to go back to that? I mean, geez. I mean, who... Finn Balor has had the best NXT title run of anyone, match quality-wise. I don't even think it's particularly close. Not in in terms of volume. No way. I mean, it helped that he held the title so long, but he delivered every time. Every time out, he delivered. And I'm not talking about four-minute glorified squashes against Rich Swan on, you know, NXT TV. Okay? I'm talking about the matches that mattered. Big-time matches. You know, he had a good little tournament run with Samoa Joe, too, in the Dusty Classic. And they had a nice little final, three and a half stars. And don't forget that sneaky little match he had with Tommy at WrestleMania weekend last year. Okay? So I don't want to hear it. Now, as far as his, as his, as his main roster prospects, here's the thing, too. Okay? This guy is not a babyface. This guy is not a babyface. Finn Balor looks like a babyface, okay? You look at him and you think, all right, that guy should be a babyface. Women want to fuck that guy, and, you know, he, he's, but he's not overly threatening to where the men are going to hate him for it. That's a babyface. Nice body, good looking dude. He looks like a babyface. But the thing is, everything else about him he's better suited as a heel. Everything else about him is best suited to be a heel other than his look. So this entire time during this run where he's been cutting these shitty promos and the character work has been lacking, he's been miscast as a babyface. face. I, and you know, look no further than the New Japan run. Do we all have super short memories here? Look at the New Japan run. For years, he was a bland babyface who totally got by by delivering in the ring. Does that sound familiar? Then he turned heel, and he had all kinds of heel charisma that no one knew that he had. And he killed it to the point where he was on the verge of becoming A huge star in New Japan, and would have become a huge star, but he decided to make the jump. The AJ Styles role would have been his role. AJ Styles replaced him. He was right on the cusp, and he would have been a big star in New Japan, but he made the move. And he never would have gotten that far in New Japan as a babyface. Too bland. Totally got by on, on, on match quality. No one looked at Apollo 55 and said, those are two charismatic dudes. It just it wasn't the case when he was a babyface. Taguchi, to too. He didn't really tap. He, has, he didn't tap into his charisma until he became a prelim guy this year. Now he's a charisma machine. But, I mean, back to Balor, I mean, you know, Prince Devitt was a very bland babyface for many years. He was a heel at first when they first brought him. But you guys know what I mean. The, the, The main Prince, you know, Prince Devitt run, he was a bland babyface junior who got by on match quality. When he turns heel, and he's going to turn heel in WWE, and it may be very soon, especially if they go with this Bullet Club thing, and he, you know, hooks up with Anderson and Gallows and... You know, They have great chemistry together. That's going to help him. He's going to be comfortable. And all of that great heel charisma that he has, that he exudes, is going to flow once again. And mark my words, mark my words, timestamp this fucking podcast. I'm going on record right now. When Finn Balor goes to the main roster and turns heel, okay, All of these questions about his lack of personality and his lack of charisma are going to be long forgotten. He will get over as a heel on the main roster, and he will do a tremendous job with it. And you will never hear these complaints again that you've heard when it comes to his NXT run. He is miscast as a babyface. If for some reason, they keep him as a babyface on the main roster, he will be on the mid-card treadmill until he exits the company. Finn Balor is a heel. And I do think that they will do the right thing. And hopefully they do it right off the bat, because I'll tell you, All of the new faces that they've put on the main roster, they're pushing them. And they're doing the right things. For the most part. Enzo and Cass come to the main roster. Big push right out of the gate. And they're over. Enzo can talk like a motherfucker. That guy, you know, and, and they're over. Not so much because of Cass. Enzo's tremendous. Cass is all right. But Enzo is that act, let's face it. And they're buzzsawing right through that tournament. The Vaudevillains, they're buzzsawing right through the tournament. Now, the problem with the Vaudevillains is they're not over at all. They're the complete opposite of Enzo and Cass. They're not over. They've done something right with them and they've done something wrong with them. Here's what they've done right with Enzo and Cass. I'm sorry, with the Vaudevillains. They're heels. That act is so much better as heels. And I've said that on this show years ago when they very briefly turned heel on NXT for a couple of weeks. And then they, they switched back uh, to being babyfaces. I was, I was like, wow. Because I, I couldn't stand that act when it was introduced. I thought it was too cutesy. It was too Chikara. They turned them heel and I was like, this thing has legs as heels. It works as heels. And then they went back. But on the main roster, they've they're, they're using them as heels. Their offense is better suited for heels. Simon Gotch looks motivated. He's doing some tremendous work in his matches. His offense looks vicious and stiff and, 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 and snug. I don't like Aiden English as much, but he's been his work has been good. But Gotch is, it, it has really been a standout. And they've won their matches. They're pushing them. And they've got them cast in the proper role. The problem with the vaude villains is no one the fans don't know who they are and they don't know how to take them, and their matches are not getting reactions, and it's a shame. No vignettes, no introduction, no promo time. They're just two fucking guys who come out with their old-timey music. And the fa- you know, the 11-year-old who's there with his You Can't See Me t-shirt has no idea who the fuck they are. Why should he react to them? So they did a poor job with that, but at least they're pushing them. The problem is every time they go out there and don't get any kind of reaction, it could just, you know, uh, the, the, the key decision makers can just say, well, these fuckers aren't over, off to superstars, and then that's that. Then they get Tyler Breezed, and that's the end of it. And look, I'm not even a big fan of the VOD Villains, but I, I don't think they're getting a fair shake here in terms of the way they've been introduced. They haven't been introduced. They were just thrown on TV. One week on Raw, they said the VOD Villains are coming. They're going to be on SmackDown in three days. Tune in and watch. That's another problem. You're telling the Raw audience right off the bat, these guys are going, you know, check these guys out on the B-Show. Because whether they like it or not, SmackDown has the reputation to be in the B-Show. They should introduce all of these acts on Raw not saying they should never work SmackDown. Introduce them on Raw. Make them out like they're a big deal. Not even necessarily a match. Do something in the back. Give them a vignette like you're doing with the, the, rollout of, the, the re-rollout of Epico and Primo. But do it on Raw. So they are pushing the new faces. Anderson and Gallo is another good example getting pushed right off the bat, getting a huge push. And they're doing a great job, particularly Carl Anderson. I got to give Gallows credit too. And I kind of called that one because I said I thought he'd be motivated when he came back to this company. He was able to get away. This is going to sound weird, but Doc Gallows was able to get away with being lazy in New Japan, which usually isn't the case. Usually you go to New Japan, you can't get away with being lazy. You got to go there, you got to work hard. Because work rate matters in the eyes of those, fans. They, they they will see right through you if you're lazy or if you're or if you're shit. But the reason he was able to get away with being lazy in New Japan was because of his gimmick. He was he was able to get away with being lazy because of his gimmick. I had a feeling he'd be motivated and he'd he, and he'd work hard in WWE. And they look they haven't had matches yet, but. You can tell that there's a little bit more of a spark there for him. And Carl Anderson looks like he's just having the time of his life. And he's he's just – everything he's done is perfect. He's doing a great job. Couldn't be more proud of that guy. He's doing a tremendous job. He doesn't look nervous. He looks like he belongs. He doesn't look out of place. He's in tremendous shape. There's good snap to everything he's doing with these uh, – they haven't wrestled, but they have gotten physical plenty of times. They've attacked people. They're using, they're using the magic killer, and they're calling it the magic killer. Listen, A plus to how they're pushing all of these new faces on Raw. You can't ask for anything else other than the, the bad introduction of uh, of the vaudevillains. But in terms of everything, you can't complain. They're doing a good job with all these new faces, which is why I say, circling back to Finn Balor, I have confidence they'll do the right things with him when they bring him to the roster. And I do think if they do it now, he'll be involved in this AJ storyline. And um, I do think that uh, AJ will be vindicated in the eyes of Roman Reigns when it is proven that he was not behind the attacks from Anderson and Gallows and that Finn Balor was. And uh, I think that uh, Finn Balor and Anderson and Gallows may cost AJ Styles the match against Roman Reigns. That might be the direction they go. But I don't want a fantasy book because you guys know I hate that shit. Fantasy booking is garbage. Nobody wants to hear it. And I don't want to do it. So that's Finn Balor. I think if you don't think he had a good NXT run, I mean, you're either spoiled or you're lost. I mean, because in the ring, it's, it's not going to get much better than that. You, he gave you everything you could ask for. He has great matches every time out. If you go to a house show, he's going to give you a great match. He has a big match on a takeover. He's going to give you a great match. Nothing more you can ask for with that guy. He did a tremendous job as champion. Tremendous job bell to bell as champion. Not without his warts. But bell to bell. Couldn't ask anything more of the Guy. am going to take a short break. When I come back, we're going to talk about uh, the terrible tragedy in Japan with the earthquake and the effect that it's had on the New Japan tour. So we will be right back. Be sure to head over to VoicesOfWrestling.com this week for an all-new episode of Shake Them Ropes. Each week, Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins bring you Shake Them Ropes, talking all things WWE and NXT. Rob and Jeff will talk all the latest news coming out of WWE. If you're into nostalgia, every week Rob and Jeff discuss a new match on the WWE.com list of the top 100 matches to see on WWE Network. We run through the greatest matches in the history of pro wrestling, and you can share your thoughts on Twitter, at Them ShakeThemRopes. In addition to our weekly episodes, after every WWE pay-per-view, we also go live on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling YouTube at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash YouTube, and you can follow along to a live video stream as Shake Them Ropes goes live after every WWE pay-per-view. So fans, do not miss all new episodes of Shake Them Ropes. VoicesOfWrestling.com. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com. Yeah, so um, China is dead. And we will do a little bit of China at the end of the show. Look, I'm not going to go super deep into China. Here, Here's what I'll say about China. Okay, I, I look, I have no... It, it, it's a really sad story, first of all. I think that goes without saying. And I don't think I need to spend a ton of time explaining why her life um, you know, just ended up being a very sad one. But I don't have, I'm not going to be a phony, and I'm not going to be one of these people who, who sit here and tell you that I have fond memories of China and her time in professional wrestling, and this is a professional wrestling podcast. Um, look, it, it's no secret, I kind of tuned out on the WWF, or WW, oh my god, I said WWF, crazy. Um, I tuned out on, well I guess it was WWF at that time, at least for part of it, but um I tuned out on that company during the Attitude Era for the most part. I mean, I kept one eye on it, but it was a very unappealing era of pro wrestling for me. As many of you know, as I've explained many times before on the show, I just, I didn't care for the Attitude Era. And obviously that was, uh, that's when China was around. And from, you know, I've seen plenty of China matches and I've seen plenty of the, uh, uh, of China's work. And And look, I'm not going to sit here and look, I know everybody, you know, it's it's people deal with things the way they deal with them. Look, I think it's a little bit weird to grieve over a total stranger, I, you know. But I, look, I'm not judging anybody, okay? If China was a big part of your childhood or a big part of your wrestling fandom, and if you're some kind of big China fan, I look, that's fine. You know, we all, we all like who we like. Um... But I'm going to sit here and be a phony and, and, and relay all of these great China memories. Look, the fact of the matter is I didn't think she was much of a professional wrestler. Uh, I don't want to go full Lance Storm here and just, you know, bury a person who, you know, figuratively bury a person who, you know, died 10 minutes ago. But, um, I, you know, I don't have fond memories of her as a pro wrestler. Look, I understand she was a very instrumental figure in the Attitude Era. Um, but there there's even a lot of ways you can go with that. Uh, you know, the, the way, you know, the, her being painted as some sort of um, feminist hero, uh, I look, I don't know if I buy that. Um, it, it, look, I'm not even sure that it matters if I buy that because if there are women who see her as that, then who am I to tell them not to see her as that? But with that said, the way she was portrayed by the company, you know, certainly isn't what you would consider you know the model of of, of a strong feminist role model. I mean, she was presented as um, this 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 comedy figure of sorts of someone who was the the fact that she had that she was muscular and large. The running joke with China, at least in the beginning and through most of her run, until they feminized her a bit, was that. She was really a man because how could a woman possibly be that big and strong? So she must have a dick. So, so you know, wrestlers would make, you know, transgender jokes. Or they, she would sell nut shots, you know, for, for comedy. You know, they'd give her a crotch shot and she'd sell it like she got hit in the balls that she didn't really have. Um, a lot of lowbrow stuff that would not fly today, and would actually draw the scorn of most feminists today. But all of a sudden, you know, with with the ability of uh, of like, like hindsight, makes people for either forget these things, or um, they're just people who don't under don't know the history and are just speaking out of their ass. I'm not sure which it is it's probably a combination of both. but um, it, it's odd to me that that China is seen as this this hero of feminism. I, I don't understand that um, And I guess at its most basic I, I sort of understand it because at its most basic level, she was a woman wrestling men. but you know again, she was basically presented as a man, um, you know, or at minimum, the only reason she was able to go toe to toe with the men is because she was so abnormally large and strong in comparison to a woman. You know, this whole idea that that China opened doors and 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 paved the way for for what look. I think stuff like that, terms like that, are, are constantly overused. Um, you know, what doors did China really open? What what roads did she pave? I, I I I'm I'm struggling to see. And someone can correct me if if they think I'm wrong. I'm struggling to see where China wrestling men and selling nutshots because the implication was she just had to be a, a, a tranny. Uh, you know uh, i'm not seeing where uh be- because you know a woman can't be that sh- that strong so she's got to have a dick she must be a cross dresser or a transsexual or it's like that's how she was presented what and and really what doors did that open i you know who else was doing intergender at that day? what other women um were able to parlay themselves into doing intergender thanks to china none None. The rest of the women on the roster just wrestled each other. And oh, by the way, during the most embarrassing period of the company in terms of how they presented the women, it was bikini contests night after night and totally sexualized. And just teaching the women the very, very basics so they can have rudimentary matches, things that could qualify as matches, but the sole purpose was so that they can go out there with their breast implants and shake their asses and show their tits. And that's what it was. So, uh, who did China exactly pave the way for? I'm I, I'm failing to see. Nicole Bass? You know? When, when they tried to recreate China with someone who was even more masculine and someone who could be the butt of even worse jokes. You know, they went out and found an uglier China and just doubled down on the lowbrow humor. So, I don't know. And again, I'm not here to shit on people's idols. I mean, I saw plenty of of, uh, of women wrestlers saying that they looked to China as inspiration and all that. First of all, I don't know how much of that is true. I mean, a lot of times when someone dies, everyone wants to run on social media and they don't know how to deal with how they're feeling. And they say things they don't really mean. I mean, would they have said that before China was dead? I don't know. Some of them, I'm sure they would have. But some of them, I don't know. It's just shit people say. I don't mean to be overly cynical, but I, I, you know, let's be honest here. When someone passes away, a social media becomes an absolute love fest for the next 24 to 48 hours and I do you genuinely believe all of it's genuine I don't it doesn't mean it's it's ill intended or, or me you know it's just you know people want to be part of part of that part of you know so they they may overdo it a little bit. But, but look if there if there's women who genuinely look up to China as some sort of role model I you know that's great why would I shit on that but I just I don't buy this idea that she paved the way or opened doors for 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 why what does she open doors to a point to something that changed in the company thanks to China I mean I'm all ears I'm not being closed-minded here I'm just not seeing it perhaps I'm ignorant I don't think so. Did WWE become an uh, intergender promotion from that point forward? No. They've done hardly no intergender since. And in fact, they stay completely away from it today. I mean, her character was, was a joke. Was treated as a joke. I mean, that's just a fact. You, have, you all have the WWE Network. Go watch. It, it was lowbrow, it's a man humor. It has a dick. Yes, the word "it." That's not me being a dick. No, that's how the company presented her. Go back and watch the stuff. She was an it. She was a. She was a he. She was a, a, tran, a transsexual. You, you know, it was the butt of jokes. And later on, she was treated better and 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 had, uh, you know, was more legit. But but listen it wasn't until she went and got plastic surgery and breast implants and feminized herself which again where's the trailblazing here and this wasn't necessarily her fault she was an employee doing what she was told but where was the where, where was the what what doors was she opening what what roads was she paving when the company would not treat her like a woman and wouldn't stop with the she must have balls jokes until she looked more traditionally feminine think about that for a second so when we're looking back at china and calling her a trailblazer and a door opener and and all of these other things is it just is it just a matter of you know, rose-colored hindsight glasses that we're using here? Is it that, you know, maybe we're 24 years old and we didn't live through it and we don't know what the fuck we're talking about? Is it that we're ignoring the first half or the first three quarters of a run or whatever and we're just focusing on, um, like, the Latino heat era? But even when you look at that, I mean, what, you know... What was, what was China's role there, even when she was feminized and, um, you know, she was just a uh, – uh, someone who was uh, involved in a relationship with an, an oversexed Latino man, which is another stereotype that they capitalized on in that era uh, with Eddie Guerrero. He was your typical sex-hungry Latino and, uh, you know, who, who treated her in storyline like shit. And she accepted it. For the most part. You know, they had, you know, that storyline took its twists and turns. But again, where is this hero of feminism? I don't I, I'm I i do not know. I'm just not seeing it. And it's odd because it's 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 the hardcore feminists that are that are that are presenting the China character in this manner. I, I don't understand where they're coming from. This would seem to me like the the presentation of China from start to finish in this company would be the antithesis of what a feminist would embrace. And again, that's not the fault of 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 Joni Lauer. Uh You know, she's doing her job. But it's 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 odd to me that she's been paint that the China character has been painted. As some champion of feminism. I, I I you know, or some groundbreaking character. Yes, she wrestled men. That was the full extent of the feminist characteristics of that character. At the very basics, she just okay, she fought men, okay. A lot of female wrestlers have wrestled men. Before China and after China. I don't know. I I I never really followed that train of thought. I I would think that uh, a, a true feminist would 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 detest the way that character was presented, for for a multitude of reasons, many of which that I've already gone over. So uh, very strange to me. But China, the wrestling character, and 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 Joni Laura, the person, are are are, are you know. Or two different, you know, that, that this is not a reflection on the person who passed away. I'm just, I'm just curious at how this this wrestling character is perceived by feminine. It doesn't make sense. And if if someone can enlighten me, I'd, I'm, I believe me, I'm all ears. I am all ears. Send us an email, we'll read it on the show. Play the other side. Send us a tweet. I don't know how far you're gonna get with 140 characters. You're better off emailing us because I'm missing something here. I think um, the women on television now, and believe me, it's still far from perfect, the women on television now are a much better representation of strong female characters in wrestling than China ever was. No matter how many men she beat up on TV. You know, again, with the implication that the only reason she was able to do so is because she really had a dick. I mean, come on. You're telling women if you're big and you're strong, it means you're you're masculine and you must be a man. I mean, that was the message there. But I, you know, what do I know? I'm a I'm a I'm a white straight male, and you know, we're really not allowed to have opinions on these things. So maybe I'm off base. I don't know. But the China death, it, you know, it's a sad story uh, where her life ended up. I think a lot of us suspected that this may happen. Unfortunately, um. It opens up a whole, and I get look. I, you know, I know I said at the beginning of this segment we were going to do China later, but I'm so deep now that we might as well do China right now. I wanted to save it for the end of the show, because I know, you know, it's a heavier subject matter, and a lot of people don't want to hear it. So, you know, you know how I like to structure these things, especially when I do shows by myself. I like to put that sort of stuff towards the end. So if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have, you know, you can listen, you can hear the rest of the content without hearing all this stuff you know, we started China now, we'll finish China now. I think, um, aside from the questionable status of her being some sort of uh, feminist hero, um, it's just, you know, her death and the reactions to it, there was so much cringe on Twitter the past couple of days. I mean, people just making absolute assholes of themselves um, and, and people exploiting her death to push their political agendas and um just some really gross stuff that um and, and please look look it's like do we really need to hear from up Rocks today? Can up Rocks tone it down? okay, nobody needs to hear Daniel Madison having basically a breakdown on Twitter um you know uh, talking about her complicated feelings towards uh covering China over the years and 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 and, and look. I would be, you know, I'd be conflicted with my feelings too when it came to China if I spent years and years exploiting the woman's mental health issues and uh, chemical dependency issues uh, for the purpose of clicks. I'd be conflicted as well. So I don't blame her for that. Let me tell you something about uprocks. Nobody exploited China. For the purpose of, of clicks and clickbait more than that website did, nobody. So they're the last people I need to see after the woman dies, coming out and talking about uh, you know, how, how badly they feel about uh, China. And, 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 and stop. Stop. You exploited her for years. Every time China took every time China farted. Uproxx was right there to tell you how bad it smelled. China couldn't take a shit without UpRox putting an article on their their front page. With spandex, more specifically. The wrestling section on that website. I mean, are you kidding me? Let me read you this tweet. It makes me sick. This is from Madison earlier today, who wrote uh, tons of the, uh, you know... uh, There was a period of time... I remember I looked it up where uh, you know, we've obviously had our issues with some of the people from that site and and we're not going to get into all that, but the point here is, you know, they were getting on us and uh, the fact of the matter is our website uh, uh, legitimately, legitimately covers women's wrestling a million times better than that site does. And, and despite all the things they've had to say about us and you know, one time I looked it up and, and dug into their archives and went back something like 25 pages until it looped around and wouldn't let me go back anymore. And uh, every single non-WWE Total Divas or, or, or WWE-related women's wrestling story on that website was China clickbait. Something like 17 different stories uh, on 25 pages worth of archives with 10 stories each. So basically about... two. Uh, 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 at the time I looked it up, of their past 250 stories, something like uh, 16 or 17 of them were China related. Okay? Nothing about Shimmer, nothing about uh, uh, Joshi, nothing about, um, you know, no, no, no. Now, look, we're dealing with up rocks here. Okay? These aren't exactly serious journalists digging deep to, uh, to uncover the big stories in professional wrestling, but no feel good pieces about maybe independent wrestlers or, or anything like that. Again, other than WWE-related women's wrestling, because they covered WWE, obviously, it was nothing but China exploitation stories on that website at the time I looked that up. And that tweet, those tweets are actually in our archive somewhere if you want to try to find them. But, I mean, this is a website, my point here, that exploited China for years, for years. And then, this is the nonsense that they're tweeting out today. And I quote, Navigating China as part of the news cycle is something I always struggled with, especially when my job is often make jokes quickly," end quote." Do you know how much of a problem I have with that? I mean, first of all, navigating China as part of the news cycle shouldn't be something that you struggled with. That's not a struggle. Let me, let me tell you how to – let me explain to you how to handle navigating China as part – well, you can't anymore because now she's dead. You can't exploit her anymore. But for the next person you want to exploit and make, and make jokes quickly about concerning their mental health or their chemical dependencies or what have you, let me give you a little lesson on how to navigate that. Here's how you navigate it. When China puts up a twerking video, okay, here's how you navigate that. You don't report it as news. You know why? Because it's not news. That's how you navigate it. You don't report it. This isn't difficult. Otherwise, you're exploiting when you post China's twerking videos and make your cutesy little jokes because your job is to, quote, Make jokes quickly. Now, if that's your job, and that's what you do, and this is how you you make money and how your site generates money, fine. But then don't claim the high road after the person's dead. When you spent years exploiting them. Don't claim you had these moral dilemmas put your money where your mouth is and stop posting this trash on your website then. This exploitative shit that you spent years doing to exploit this person and making jokes at their expense. And I'm not making up the twerking thing. Google it, look it up. Written by Danielle Matheson, the twerking story. Which, you know, it's like, what'd you struggle with? You struggled with the decision to post that quote-unquote story? It's not even a story. It's just trash. It was a mentally ill person making a fool of themselves on the internet. Probably under the influence. And you know how you navigated that? By posting it on your website and making, quote, making jokes quickly. You whooped it up. Got a lot of ha-has in there. So, you know, maybe a website like that will learn from this. Maybe they, you know, they. she genuinely feels bad about the way she treated this woman on her website over the years now that she's passed away. But probably not. I mean, you can't, Claim the high road while consistently taking the low road. It doesn't work like that. You have to pick one lane or the other. You're either a TMZ piece of shit and that's what you do, and I'll tell you what, if you just admit that that's what you do and that's what you are, I don't really have a problem with you because at least you're upfront with your intentions and you're not completely full of shit when you know you've done wrong and you're trying to worm your way out of it. In the court of public opinion. I don't I don't play that shit. But remember folks, voices of wrestling, we're the misogynists. That's 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 our deal, not theirs. Not exploiting this woman for years. You won't see that shit on our site. Ever. I mean, it's insanity. What an insane tweet that is! It's just utterly insane. And and again, it just fits the whole narrative of that. You know, it's just their their actions never match their words, never. Maybe if you're so conflicted by this stuff, go to your editor and say, hey, maybe we need to make some changes and not post this trash. Hardly the worst offender, though, over the past 48 hours. I mean, it's just, you know, within 10, within literally 10 minutes of China's Twitter account announcing that she was dead within literally 10 minutes there were people tweeting and pushing this false narrative that the WWE were evil monsters for not putting her in their in their completely and totally meaningless Hall of Fame because she was a sex worker First of all, that's not why she isn't in the Hall of Fame. And if you think that's why she didn't get into the, to their Hall of Fame, you're a fucking idiot. And you don't pay attention. You don't understand how PR works. And you're just a stupid person, if you think that's the reason she's not in their Hall of Fame. Um, the, the, the porn video she made, the parody porn video, of her embarrassing the McMahon family, did it play a part? It sure did. Is it the reason she's not in their Hall of Fame? No. The reason she's not in their Hall of Fame is right in front of your face because the reason she's not in their Hall of Fame, their justification for not put the reason and their justification just played itself out. She died. And they didn't want her dying on their watch. The last thing that they wanted, would ever want, and this doesn't just apply to China, and I know that there's layers here and I'll get to that, but the the last thing that they want with anybody that they associate with, including the Hall of Fame, are people who are unstable and haven't straightened out their lives for whatever the individual reasons are. And they're a potential threat to embarrass. The, the last thing that they want. If they had look, just look at it this way. If they had put her in the Hall of Fame this year in Dallas, what would the headlines be today? They would be former WWE wrestler China. Former WWE wrestler. And WWE Hall of Famer China, who was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame less than three weeks ago, passes away. And and nothing for nothing. At the time that I'm recording this, I don't know the cause of death, but let's be honest, it it probably wasn't because of of um, you know natural causes. Let's be honest. And if it turns out that way, I'll come on here and apologize. But come on. The woman was uh, 45 years old. She didn't, you know, and had a history of lots of problems. She didn't, uh, you know, she, she didn't die of old age. WWE doesn't want that blood on their hands. And look, I'm not saying they're good guys here. Hardly. They're a real shitty company in a lot of ways. And I'm not even necessarily calling her a bad guy. She made horrendous choices. Horrendous choices. But you have to live with those choices. I mean, she did not demonstrate that she had straightened her life out to the point where the company could trust her. That's the bottom line. Only months ago, less than a year ago, she went on national you know, on, on worldwide satellite radio and said all kinds of wacky, disparaging things about the WWE and about Sean Waltman, who is a very good friend of Triple H. Demonstrating that she had not straightened her life out to this point. This company wants nothing to do with people who, who don't have their shit together. Look how long it took them to come around on Jake Roberts. And it wasn't until he had the vote of confidence from DDP and and, and from people that they trusted that Jake had had turned his shit around. And Jake Roberts is, is... And people were very skeptical of the Jake Roberts turnaround. But he appears to still be doing well. He's got a book coming out. He's making appearances. People are still vouching for him. He's doing great. So... They let him back into the family. They not only put him in their Hall of Fame, they put him on TV and he did that whole segment with Dean Ambrose. If you straighten your life out, they'll they'll take you back with open arms. And unfortunately for China, she was still in a real bad place. Obviously, look what happened. What if that had happened in, in in a hotel room in Dallas while she was there on the company dime? That is what they were avoiding. Yes, all of the other bullshit played a part. Absolutely. But let's be completely honest. Why shouldn't it have? Why shouldn't it have, have played a part? A porn parody about the, the the family that you should be you know trying to make amends with that's just going to widen the gap. These are human beings, you know. The 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 the, uh, the, the accusations accusing Triple H of physical abuse Un- completely unfounded. I mean. You know, accusing his friend of, of of sexual abuse and rape, and again unfounded. And then when Waltman called into the radio show to dispute what she was saying, she talked herself into a ball and 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 got her lies confused and and came off very poorly. She did not come off credible at all. But none of that even matters. the The point here is. Her, she had not straightened out her life. And and I know that the, the counter argument well they they should help her. They weren't there for her. Okay, well I know this is very nuanced and 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 I'm I'm walking on thin ice here when I ha, when I when I talk about things like this, but um you know, the WWE offers rehabilitation to any former contracted talent including China I don't know for a fact off the top of my head, but I'm not sure if she ever actually took them up on it, but I did see a note that they've sent out over 700 letters to former talents uh, with the open offer for paid rehabilitation uh, or, or uh, services and, all, and those sorts of things. And 10 percent of the people have taken them up on it, which to me is an enormous number. And um, so you know, the company was willing to help her. There's There have been people who have gone through the WWE-sponsored rehab upwards of a half a dozen times. The help was available. I don't know if she ever... I don't know off the top of my head if she ever took them up on it. It doesn't matter now. It's too late now. Hopefully, she at least tried. I don't know, though. But, I mean, you know, at the end of the day... You have to want to be helped. You have to want it. You know, and, and at some point, it, some, look, here's the bottom line, and nobody wants to hear this, but I'm sorry, it's the truth. And, and we all have people in our lives. Some people just cannot be helped. And I don't know if, if that was the case, where, but some people cannot be helped because they do not want to be helped. Or they just cannot be. A de- I mean, I have I have a friend who's a raging alcoholic. He cannot be. He's to the point where he does not want to be and cannot be helped. I'm not going to get into all the details. Trust me. This dude cannot be helped. And we're all watching him die. We're all watching him die slowly. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. You can offer. You can open your arms. they don't want it, you can't help them. Some people cannot be saved. It's sad, but it's it's a reality. I don't know if that was the case with her, but it sure seemed like she had a ton of problems. And it was, you know, and, you know, and, and the argument is it was all caused by the company. I, I, look, I don't know about that. None of us do. Yeah, she was cheated on. It's very traumatic. And dumped. And then fired. We've all been cheated on and dumped. And they, it's no fun. <clears throat> but again, you know, there's two sides to this. She was terrible to, to those people as well. And I don't want to get into who, whether it was just but the fact that she she was terrible to them in return over the years, and more importantly, she never showed signs that she had straightened out her own life. and And again, this company is not going to get involved with people who have not demonstrated that they've straightened out their lives. And and again, I'm not this is not me painting them as the good guys and her as the bad guy, but that's simply the way they do business. And they did. And and circling back, this was not about sex work. It was not about sex work. And I got a feeling they're going to put her in the Goofy Hall of Fame now that she's dead, which I think is a mistake because I think that comes off very poorly to do it now. And that will be the proof. That will be the proof that the sex work was not the issue if they put her in the hall of fame post death because the sex work is never going away that's permanent so if they honor her on television which is going to annoy people and they put her in the hall of fame which is going to annoy people even more there's your proof that the sex work wasn't the issue and that the real issue was we don't want this tragedy on our on our dime We don't want the blood. We don't want the public perception to be that the blood is on our hands. She was just another person who they disassociated with because their life was was a mess. She wasn't the only one. There are other examples, and I gave you one a few minutes ago with Jake Roberts. Scott Hall's another one. Another guy who went under the wing of DDP. Let me tell you something. If China would have went to Diamond Dallas Page and he would have, you know, helped her rehabilitate the same way he did for those guys, I don't know for sure, but her chances of getting back in the good graces of that company would have been a lot better. But she just did, you know, it wasn't the sex work. Absolutely false. And again, that leads back to a lot of people just wanting to push that agenda and, and very grossly and disgustingly using her death as, a, as, as the tool to push that agenda. There's many ways you can attack the WWE. There's no reason to come up with contrived reasons because they give you plenty of reasons to go after them anyway for being a shitty company in a lot of ways. You don't have to make up reasons. And the sex work thing is a made-up reason. It doesn't hold any water. When you look at their history and and how they've handled other people in similar situations that China was in. You know, it was was as if these people... And then there was another person who, within a a half hour to 45 minutes of the announcement of her death, and I'm not going to say who it was or where it was posted because I do not want to plug it. Within a half hour of the death, they were retweeting out links of an article they wrote with, the, you know, with the sex work angle and all that. WWE failing this person and condemning and you know keeping them out of their Hall of Fame for sex work and sending that article out, retweeting it, getting it out there. It's it's like these people, these vultures, were waiting for her to die. So they can capitalize on it to push their to political agendas. It's gross. It's gross, and it's not that these things aren't worth talking about or or, or shouldn't be part of the conversation when it comes to China, because they, they they do. But do we? You know, can we wait till the body's cold? Do we have to do it ten minutes, literally ten minutes after she died, or the announcement of her death? Now we know she was dead for several days, but at the time we didn't know that. It's not really the point here, but I'm just. Being factual. It's almost like these tweets were queued up and ready to go. Well, when China dies, I'm going to make sure I I, I reiterate this point. About WWE uh, condemning sex work. Which is total bullshit. Absolute bullshit. And you're just looking for backpats and likes. From your little circle. And then when these people are called out on it, that's you know they, 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 the block button comes into play because they're not adults who can handle an actual conversation uh, or, or any kind of reasonable debate. They're not adults; they're children. They're weak-minded children. They, they just—they're not mature enough to ha- to speak with people who may not agree with them. So they block and isolate and, and keep themselves within their little circle, where their little echo chamber. They just echo chamber back and forth to each other and back pat each other. And, you know, there, there was actually uh, one guy who responded when, 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 uh, when the dude who, who could not wait for China to die to send out his uh, uh, agenda tweet about the sex work when people were rightfully piling on to him, some of which who were civil, telling him he was wrong. You know, someone jumped into the conversation and said, to the effect of, and I'm not looking at it, I'm blocking all of these people who are adding you, uh, so I never have to deal with them, ever. Well, That's the mentality of these people. They don't want to have to even deal with someone who might possibly disagree with them on something. That's how immature these people are and how ill prepared they are for the real world. They just, you know, it's, it's, it's the mindset is just insane. How do you learn anything or grow or see alternate perspectives when you just, when you refuse to engage But that's a whole nother topic that I'm not going to splinter off into. You know, it's 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 the whole safe space culture, and you know the 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 the, the retorts. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I, I I'm ending this. Well, you're feeling uncomfortable because you're being challenged, and being challenged makes you feel uncomfortable because you're not used to being challenged. And now you have to think a little because there's people with it. That's what that means when they, oh, I'm uncomfortable with this. Or I can't even. Well, of course you can't because you're a child. You may be an adult, but mentally you're a child. That's why you can't even. So when when WWE puts China into their Hall of Fame next year, or the year after, I want to see all you dopes come out of the woodwork with your sex work argument. I I want you to come out of the woodwork and admit that your sex work argument was a thousand percent wrong. Because at that point, it'll be proven that it was wrong. Because the sex work is never going away. The porn parody is never going away. Whether China is a, is breathing or not, whether she's alive or dead, it will exist. And in fact, I saw a Triple H say today on Twitter, when asked, directly, does she belong in the Hall of Fame? He, he, he said something to the effect that, yeah, I believe she's worthy. And he's not. they're not going to say that if they don't plan on putting her in. They'll just ignore it. She's going in. And I want every one of you, they you won't. None of you will. And I know, and I was, and and believe me, some of them are listening to this. Trust me. I would like you guys to to step up and 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 do the right thing and admit that you were wrong if that happens. It'll never happen, though. Well, it's just a shame that um people chose to exploit death. I was gonna do some New Japan and the revamped Duntaku show after the uh the earthquake cancelled wrestling Hinokuni. But I wanted to lead off this segment with that and then get into the China stuff because I knew the China stuff was just going to kill the vibe and um, it had to end the show. So I'm not going to do the New Japan stuff. You want to look up the new Dantaku card. It's available online. New Japan English page all over the place. This week's Observer. A million different places. Our message board. I should probably plug that one first, huh? loaded show but i i'm not I, i'm not in the mood to talk about new japan now you know this china thing i tell you some real gross behavior out there you, know, you really see and you know i'm kind of glad that 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 wrestling twitter at large wrestling fandom at large really turned on these disgusting people and piled on them over the last couple of days. And then you had this this person, uh, Jetta Ray, at Jetta Ray, I don't know, um, you know, making the comment and equating it, saying, who am I to talk because, meaning me, because I'm the person who unmasked a masked wrestler. yes, this psychopath, because you need to be a psychopath to make to to equate the two things, this psychopath equated exploitation of death to revealing the identity of a masked wrestler. This is where the mindsets are with these people. That is psychopathic behavior. Mind-blowingly, just I, I you. Talk about I can't even. I mean, jeez. A goofy fucking masked ant. A goofy masked independent wrestler. Revealing the identity of this goofy independent re- wrestling gimmick. A masked insect. And equating that to my point, which was the exploitation of death. And using someone's death recklessly to push a political agenda, whether I'm right or wrong, whether you agree with me or not, equating revealing the identity of a masked independent wrestler to that is, is mind-blowing to me and 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 bordering on psychopathic. I mean, it's crazy. and And rightfully, people piled on that person for 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 equating those two things. I mean, they, they, come on, jeez. Oh, I don't know if I got the Twitter handle right on that one, but it, it's it's all online. There's underscores in there. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly. I don't know.